you made it to level two, deeper questions leading to deeper answers. I'm Tomas Garza, and I'm here to help you decide to transform. I'll be setting the pace for the process to support your unfolding. Learn and commit to a practice that brings simplicity and an awareness of what is ready to be released. Join me now and allow the experience of a deeper sense of love. Hello, hello, and welcome to Decide to Transform. I'm your host, Tomas Garza, and joining me today from Zanesville, Ohio, is my very special guest, Rachel Matz. Rachel has a coaching business called The Embodied Goddess for women's embodiment, sexual liberation, and business mastery. Now, she and her husband co-own Fourth and Market, which is a three-story historic building in their hometown of Zanesville, Ohio, which they've transformed into a yoga, wellness, and fitness hub. Rachel also hosts international yoga retreats and teacher trainings each year and is the first time author of I Am Worthy, which is available right now on ebook with the printed edition slated to come out the first week of September. Uh, Rachel, you and I've talked a little bit beforehand, and I'm really looking forward to having you as my guest here today. Welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me. It's a joy and pleasure to be here. This is all right. Well, thank you. Yeah, this is fun. And guys, um, what's really interesting is the uh, let's launch in uh, right on your book um, as, as the topic coming up here. Uh, there, the title instantly grabs people. I am worthy. So as a first time author, first of all, congratulations on this. Thank coming you. Out. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what, uh, what a lot of work that is. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And now that the ebook has been out, then I guess my, my very first question is, um, what prompted you to write a book about this? Because you've got some very deep experience here. Yeah. So I had been thinking about writing a book and had been told just by friends and various people over the years that I should write a book, maybe the past five years or so. And I dove into, I kind of call it a therapy immersion program. It was a, a woman who was a mental health counselor. She does some coaching and she also was the head of my yoga teacher trainings that I did in, in Bali and in Costa Rica. And um, she obviously does like traditional therapy, but then has sort of mixed it in with elements of just more of the modern day, like coaching as we know of it today. And okay. so I did this eight week program with her and it just stirred up everything. Ah, <laughs> and, and I was in a pretty low place <laughs> when I reached out to her kind of into a place where, and I talk about this in the intro of the book, it's like this, like time for change moment where, you're gonna drown or explode if you don't do something different. And that was kind of like the pivot point that I was in. And, and so I did this therapy program with her and through, you know, the stirring up of things and then the kickstarting into some healing of, of wounds and trauma that I really 
hadn't even been aware of in my conscious mind up until that point. And I, so I started writing poems and the poems are actually kind of scattered throughout the book and, and they're often written in third person, like she, um, and so then poems started to evolve and more like first person writing and sharing eventually on social media. And so then it was just kind of like an evolution from there. Poems became more honest, like first person writings. And then I was like, okay, I really might turn this into a book. And, and so okay. by the time quarantine last year rolled around, I had mm. all sorts of time with our building not being open. And just maybe like a week or two into quarantine, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to like actually write this book. I'm going to stop talking about it and I'm going to write it. So it's really my own personal healing story. I'm, I'm 32 years old now. And I feel like it's just the synopsis of my 32 years of, of life and healing and how I went from a place of really deeply rooted body shame, spiritual shame, um, shame of being a woman into a place where like, I can confidently say with every cell in my body now that I believe and know that I'm worthy. So that's kind of the the journey behind the story. <laughs> okay. So it's a comprehensive healing journey in that case. Okay. Well, you know, I yeah. know that there are people out there that can relate to having a, a deep visceral level time for change moment. Can you tell us more about the time for change moment? What, what was going on and what, what did come up for you? Yeah. So initially I thought what was the most overwhelming at that time was the fact that I was a business owner. I was managing, I think like 12 to 14 other women out of my yoga studio at that time. And I, up to that point, really had no formal business training. Um, I was a massage therapist and a yoga instructor, but, and like had been a, a team captain on basketball teams all the way through college level. So I was very comfortable being a leader, but I, you know, found out that being a business owner and and a manager in a business setting is very different. And so I felt like in the business side of things, I was drowning. (laughs) Um, But what I discovered is that uh, for the first time in my life, I did a bunch of childhood regression work with her. And so I discovered um, some some really um, hard truths about just um, childhood in general and things that I had experienced that I'd, I, I honestly thought up to that point that my life had been perfect, like as good as it could get, that there was no, like I would compare myself to other people and they have stories of divorce and death or addiction or like these horrible stories that I'd heard other people share. And I always felt like my life was boring and there was no real like reason that I had to feel like I'd ever experienced any trauma or that I had any reason to feel ashamed. Um, like I, I think I even write this in the book, I felt ashamed that my shame wasn't enough to feel ashamed of. (laughs) Like 
I just, um, mm -hmm. I think I was just so unaware of just like little T trauma in my life that had gone on and, and maybe some big T trauma too. But, um, so I pretty quickly discovered that what I really was drowning in and what I really needed help with was just for the first time, a deep dive into my childhood and, and ancestral line. And, um, yeah, so it kickstarted personal healing and pain and shame and trauma that had been living in my body that I just discounted as like stress from like early adulthood, like an early marriage and stress from a, as a new business owner. And, and I quickly discovered that, that there was a lot more there to be like unveiled. <laughs> okay. All right. It was deeper than it appeared. Yeah. All right. So then do you talk about in the book, what specifically you learned about childhood trauma? Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. Um, I like as a, as a young girl, um, I had a lot of freedom. Like my parents never really put me in a box. Um, I did like quote unquote, like masculine things and was accepted for that and feminine things and was accepted for that. But I, mm -hmm. I talk about what I feel like was maybe a pivot point in my shame as a girl, um, in middle school, I remember sitting in math class and, um, I could like overhear, I think it was like my boyfriend at the time and some other guys at the time. And, and they were like concocting this perfect girl out of a bunch of like our friend group. So like, oh. it was like this girl, this dream girl had like this girl's face. And then it had like this girl's butt. And then it had this girl's boobs. And I, they told me like, I, they had my legs and I was like, oh, wow. Like that's wow. That's great. <laughs> and, and I remember feeling like super embarrassed and it's just like something small. Like, I know it's not like crazy traumatizing or like that I was being bullied by any means, but that was like the first thing that I can remember feeling like, oh, like my body isn't the same as her body, isn't the same as her body. And so that was like the earliest moment I can recall of feeling shame around my body. Um, and I definitely, I mean, I have, I have a strong personality, um, and I am, a very independent woman and, and was a very independent little girl. So I definitely think that I also collected flavors of feeling like I was too much for my family or feeling like I was, I was, um, too much a lot of the time. So I definitely think that even earlier than that, there was some, some shame around too muchness, but it was really like in middle school where I can connect the earliest versions of body shame. Okay. Yeah. And when, when did you become aware of the, of the, the shame around too muchness? Yeah. When I started that therapy program, okay. um, is when it really hit me and, um, my therapist or my coach's name, um, is Liz. And she said, flat out to me at one point, like, Rachel, you're not too much. You've never been too much and you're not too much. And I was just kind of like, Whew. like, I, I think I sobbed because I, I had always felt like 
I was too much because I just kind of operate differently than a lot of people. And I definitely operate differently than most of my family or all of my family. And I, I did, I thought that meant I was too much. And so that was like, literally I was, I think 28 years old. The first person said like to me, you are not too much. And I, I believed it. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. Well, that's that's quite a, a cathartic moment. It's, it's so interesting because I think everyone listening to this show can relate to that. A number of them I know for a fact are that person in their family that does things really differently. And it's difficult to understand why everyone else does things the same. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, I still haven't figured that one out, by the way. So <laughs> when you get that answer, let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, now this is really interesting because it, it had taken place in the context of yoga. So, and, and a teacher training. So when did you take up yoga? When did that become prominent for you? Yeah. So I, as I mentioned, I played basketball in college and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was all consuming, uh, no regrets. Okay. I loved it. I played all four years. My last two years, I was, a the team captain. And, and so I just figured out how to thrive. Um, but it was also probably up to that point, the hardest four years of my life. And so I remember by like junior year, I was just needing something that, was not competition based. And I'd also like up to that point, I'd had a very strong connection to, um, like Christianity was my avenue at that time for spirituality and just a personal relationship with God. And so I just started seeking for something that was maybe still a little movement based, but that started to like create this mind, body, spirit connection. And so I just did like I would do yoga in my dorm room on my own, like just through what I read through books or would see occasionally online or something like that. So I think at first I was just kind of like reading books and making up my own stuff. And, and then for graduate school, I briefly moved to Princeton, New Jersey, and, and I started um, a master's degree in theology uh, at the seminary there in Princeton. And And so I thought I wanted to be a professor, a theology professor, but I also at that time got a job at the Lululemon in downtown Princeton. And it's like very well known, like yoga brand, athletic wear brand. And and so for working there, I got free yoga classes. And so that's really, I mean, I went to like every yoga class I possibly could in the Princeton Mm. area. And that's when I really fell in love with and and learned on a deeper level about the practice. So that's really when it started formally, I guess. Okay. Now, does this mean that that you were um, at Princeton just for a short time or did you end up leaving Princeton? Yeah, I was only in that program for like six or seven months. So I lived there for like seven months and I quickly determined that like an eight year doctoral track in theology was not the route I in fact wanted to take. And so actually while I was still (laughs) living in Princeton, I had already planned my next step. So I knew when I moved back to Ohio, I was going to start massage therapy school. So as soon as I moved back, like a couple of weeks later, I started in a massage therapy school and it was a year long program. And then shortly after that did my first yoga teacher training. So it was like very quickly graduate school right into massage therapy and yoga. And yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's it's so interesting uh, that uh, people take up things like yoga and different spiritual practices at different stages of their lives for a number of reasons. It's just interesting to me the role that this has played in in your particular healing. Now, you're also a yoga teacher, trainer, and conduct retreats. So tell us about some of the retreats, because I know that people are out there wanting to go on a retreat someplace nice. Yeah, sure. Yeah, the retreats have become one of my very favorite things because I love to travel. I have done a lot of travel over the years, really since college and have gone to some pretty exotic places and have um, done some pretty neat treks. And, and I just realized like a lot of my travels would attract quite a bit of attention and, and I would get responses kind of like, oh, I wish I could do that or I would love to do that or yeah. whatever. And so yeah. I'm like, why can't I create this opportunity for other people, especially in my area? I live in a small town, like rural area in Southeastern Ohio. And people, a lot of times from here, don't leave Ohio or like they'll only go to the Carolinas for vacation, which is wonderful. Not only meaning like it's not okay, but like they just mm -hmm. maybe wouldn't like, take the initiative to see the rest of the world unless there was already that opportunity there. Yeah. And so, yeah, so far uh, I've had large groups, mostly from this area, but not all from this area go to Mexico and Belize. And we were supposed to go to Bali um, this past year and it got moved back. So I have a Bali retreat scheduled for February of next year. And I have another Mexico retreat actually scheduled this year for November. And uh, normally I offer daily yoga as a part of the experience, but it's also my intention that the experience is as cultural and authentic as possible too. So we generally have local food and we might have like local ceremonies or go on snorkeling excursions or hiking or shopping excursions of some kind so it's really like a total mind body spirit experience um and we just kind of use use yoga a little bit as a part of that whole like travel journey oh i love it all right what part of mexico are you going to uh, Zuitanejo. So it's like mm. Southwestern, like Pacific Mexico. Yeah. It's, it's so different than what most people I think, think of Mexico as like Cancun, Riviera Maya. Sure. It's, oh, yeah. Yeah. it's very Pacific, like mountainous and rocky and deep blue water versus the Caribbean Mexico mm -hmm. that a lot of people are accustomed to. Yeah. And for those of you out there listening, if you've never been there, it's awesome. It's very oh. beautiful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love I this will be my second Mexico retreat okay. and I do I'll get some pushback on it because I think most a lot of people have like I don't know uh inaccurate view of Mexico maybe just because oh, of the time. news media yeah. and I love Mexico. I would probably live in Mexico if my husband would let me <laughs> if oh, yeah. he would go there too. <laughs> well, maybe you all should do that. 
I know. I know. Don't put it past me. <laughs> oh, I won't. Yeah. Yeah. I, I won't. It, it's, you know, it's so interesting because people will follow you on social media and uh, I, I can relate. Uh, I know a number of us can relate to getting lots of attention um, on, on the social media platform. All right. So you're going to Zihuatanejo now. Um, I like the fact that you've got cultural experiences merged in there. How long are your retreats? Generally, they're anywhere from five to seven nights. The Bali retreat okay. is seven nights just because it, there's so much to see once you get there as with anywhere, but it also just takes a very long time to get there sure. from Ohio. It's like well over a day of travel. Oh, yeah. So yeah. it's worth staying there a little while once you mm -hmm. get there. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, and this is, this is so interesting. Um, a theme that comes up in, in all of this to me is healing and deep healing. So what type of, of healing is going on for you right now? And how has the experience of putting it all out there in a book impacted your journey? Mm, yeah. Oh, gosh, this year has been like just from January until now definitely the largest amount of healing that I have felt up to this point in my life. And, and it's definitely been healing of body shame for what feels like once and for all for me, at least at this point, I'm not a mother. So I'm sure there's, there's new healing that happens if, and when, uh, women become mothers, but up sure. to this point, um, I feel like once and for all, um, like the body shame stuff is just like healed and done. Okay. Um, in let's see, well, in January, I actually went through, um, a pretty major surgery. I had breast explant surgery. So when I was 23, I had breast implants put in. So I had mm -hmm. them for over eight years and finally made, the decision in January that I wanted them out. And so I definitely feel like that was like a major, major activator of just like propelling me into a whole new place of empowerment in my body and as a woman. And I, I shared a lot, like pretty publicly about all of that on social media. And then okay. also wrote about it a few different times throughout the book. And so this journey of of coming back to my body, like in its original form or as original as it gets <laughs> 32 years later, like, uh, yeah. yeah. So, so body, body healing, um, and womanhood healing and healing around my sexuality and my desires. And mm -hmm. so I've really just totally reframed life. And instead of constantly being aware of everything that I don't want and trying to move away from that. I'm setting goals. I'm, uh, programming my subconscious. I'm thinking and speaking in ways that I'm moving towards what I want, because I've realized not just for me, but for all of the women that I've worked with, uh, and I'm sure men too, I just don't get to work with men as often as I would like, but, um, we don't know what we want because you spend your whole life trying to people please 
and it shoves down so deep your own like pleasures and desires that when you get asked like what you actually want, I've noticed that most people have no idea. <laughs> like they can't even, they're not sure. Like they haven't, they haven't thought about it. They, most people are really aware of what they don't want. Um, and they don't know what they want. <laughs> yeah. And then often what comes up, doesn't it? I mean, you probably see this all the time is people don't actually realize that they can have desires and ask for what they want. Exactly. Exactly. And that's, that's the thing is, is that I think we've all been conditioned to believe that in order to succeed, in order to create abundance, in order to create wealth, in order to create intimacy or connection, that it's going to be hard, that has to be hard and that has to involve the grind and that it has to include suffering. We, we just aren't taught that you can actually create the life that you want and that it can be easy and that it can be joyful and that it can be pleasurable and that it's safe to ask for what you want to. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I take it. That's a message when, when you coach people that, that uh, you drive home a lot, right? Yeah, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's been something, like I said, that I've just stepped into as of this year. So it's, it's also just a newer concept and way of being in my own life now. Um, so I by no means feel like an expert, but it's definitely changed my life. Okay. Well, and this is one of the areas that, that you work on um, as a business owner and as, as, as a coach is women's sexuality. So would you say some more about that? Because a, a number of listeners out there might be curious, okay, what does that work actually look like? What do you all do? Yeah, sure. Good question. Um, well, I talk in my book about uh, in a few different chapters, um, I go pretty in depth and, and raw and in an honest, um, explanation about, about my marriage. And, and I've been together with my husband now for, I think over 13 years. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. and we'll soon celebrate our eighth year wedding anniversary in a few weeks. But, wow. um, so we've been together for a while and as with any long-term relationship, lots changes mm. <laughs> and, <Yes>. um, <laughs> You just, I think, at least for me, all I can speak on is my experience, but I had gotten to a point where I was just totally shut down. Um, I was really, I would say disassociated from my body and yoga has been a big part. So for, for me, yoga and sexuality have kind of come hand in hand and that yoga has started to bring me back deeper and deeper and deeper into just like associating and feeling safe and aware of things in my body. So yoga for me is definitely a part of the sexuality practice, Sure. but I have also incorporated and teach shaking meditation, which is really just kind of like spontaneous dance with music turned way up. Okay. (laughs) So that for me has also become like a part of my regular, um, sexuality and turn on rituals. Um, Mm -hmm. I definitely recommend, um, the book called pussy by, um, Regina. Oh, they call her mama Gina. Um, 
All right. Uh-huh. But I, I forget her last name is like Thomas Howard or something like that. But Mama Gina uh, wrote this book called Pussy and provides a lot of like intimate practices of just like mirror gazing different parts of your mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. And there are practices that I talk with my yoga students about called yoni steaming, where you actually use like steam to start to reconnect to your body and reconnect to your sensuality and sexuality. And so those are practices that I have done. Um, they're really like endless endless options and I'm still learning them all that's for sure like I feel yeah. like it's never done there's always mm-hmm. more to explore in the realm of sexuality but but I I talk about in my book how shut down I was and shut off I was and I I literally thought there was something wrong with me like I remember various times googling like that maybe I had an issue of some kind like a physiological issue and I, over the years, have have come to the conclusion that um, I just didn't feel worthy. I didn't feel enough. Um, I was ashamed of my womanhood. I was ashamed of my desires. I didn't even know how to speak about my desires to my partner romantically or even just friends in, in more of a, you know, friendly relationship or a work relationship with coworkers. And, um, so I don't always feel like even the sexuality practice has to be what we all consider like modern day sex stuff. Like, I I think it can just be this journey of like coming back to your body and coming back to what feels good and, and asking for what you want, um, and saying no to what you don't, um, so that's a little bit of what like my personal work looks like and, and a little bit of the, a little bit of what it looks like when I work with clients or when I work with yoga students around starting to step into their fullest expression um, and stepping into a place where they're, where they feel safe to be heard and to be seen. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, and what is the, the biggest challenge that people come to you with? Good question. I would say really in this deeper level work, I've only worked with women. And I would say that they don't feel enough. Okay. Like the core, the core core wound, the core of it all in some way, shape or form is that they don't feel enough. And so then we kind of explore into how that expresses itself, just like in their own internal dialogue and their self-talk and then how that expresses itself in their relationships and how that expresses itself in their business or their career. Um, it, it spills into everything, but I think like at the core, the not enoughness is just the biggest thing that I see. Okay. And you see that. And then um, what form does this take for a lot of the people that you work with? I know it's going to vary, but what do you see most often? I think that... 
it starts to, it keeps people in loops of suffering. Mm. So for some, it might mean like literally lifelong scarcity, whether it's like in finances, like I think financial scarcity is a big one. Um, and also just like, yeah, I feel, I feel like scarcity is maybe like a good synopsis of it all. So the finances struggle, it might be that they are just like constantly looking for the next relationship, like just can't be happy with anyone. But I've also seen it look like a marriage that just like, they're just shut down and they're just turned off and they're kind of catering to the, uh, the partner and what the other person wants. Um, and I see it expressed as self-sabotage a lot. Like they're almost where they want to be. They've gotten focused and in alignment and they, they start like, maybe they're moving their body weekly for like six months. And then all of the sudden, like they'll stop and they'll start drinking a bunch or, gain 30 pounds back or whatever. Like it's the, they're almost there. And then they go back in the loop of, of suffering. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's a little individualized from person to person, but I think it shows up as self-sabotage as scarcity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And of course there are a lot of ways that people might need to, or want to work through all of that. Now, now that you have changed the game by writing and publishing your first book. What is the number one thing that you've learned in that whole process? Really just to keep showing up. Hmm. Um, okay. I think so many people want to write a book and oh, yeah. like the hardest part is to keep showing up even on days where you're not sure if there's anything there and to just like keep pouring out words even if like there's this tendency to to want to go back and edit what you've already written instead of just continuing to show up for more and mm -hmm. and then once you know you've got your publisher you're going to self-publish or whatever route that you go for the for the publishing just to give like book metaphors at least like yeah. Um, it's easy then to want to like go back into hiding and be like, oh, I don't know all this marketing, like creating this platform is a lot of work. And <laughs> you, like, you just continually have to show up in in higher and higher levels of yourself or I did at least. And then oh. Oh, yeah. on launch day, like I went live multiple times. And so I'm like showing up again, even in more like I've never gone live like four times in one day before on oh. social media. And so it's just mm -hmm. this continual, like, just show up, just keep showing up, like, just keep coming. I say that for people coming to yoga, like, just keep yeah. just show up. That's the hardest part. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely right. That's what it is for, for all of us and anyone that, that accepts a, a teaching function, whatever that looks like, has to just keep showing up because you don't know who's watching. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What I've found is generally a lot of people will might even be like a year or years later. They're like, oh, I remember that yeah. one thing that you said or that you did in that yoga class or on that social media post. And I'm like, oh, I didn't even 
know anyone cared then or read that then. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause we can all have the experience as content creators. And I know a number of the listeners are out there that go live all the time. Uh, a number of, of folks are entrepreneurs themselves. So some days it feels like you're just going live and talking to yourself, but you never know. <laughs> right. So true. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, people are, are listening to this part of the beauty of a podcast is you never know who's listening around the world and they could be listening at three o'clock in the morning. Everything's on demand. So Rachel, how, how can people purchase a copy of your book here? Yeah. So the book is published through and sold on um, Amazon. So the ebook is available on Amazon and the is available now on Amazon. And then the printed edition will become available like early September, but is, it is um, only on Amazon at this point. Right. Yeah. So Amazon and the title is I am worthy by Rachel Matz, M-A-T-Z. Okay. Now, Rachel, how else can people get a hold of you if they would like to work with you? Yeah, sure. So my favorite platform to be on is Instagram and my handle is the embodied goddess. I think technically it's the embodied underscore underscore goddess. Um, So definitely on Instagram is a great way to just kind of get to know me and to see me most days. I'm also on Facebook just as Rachel Matz and my husband and I's website is fourthinmarket.com and there is information there about my yoga teacher trainings and retreats, but I also have links straight from my Instagram page for, for those as well. So Okay. And and for the website then, fourth and market, is this fourth spelled out or is it the number four TH? Yeah, good question. So it's four TH hyphen and hyphen market.com. <laughs> okay. Got it. Yes. Fourth hyphen and hyphen market.com. Okay. Perfect. But Instagram is the, uh, the best place to, to yeah. reach you. And that's at the embodied underscore goddess. Okay. So now you've got a retreat coming up. Do you still have space for these retreats? Yeah, I do. So the Mexico retreat in November is my first women's only retreat. So it is called Rooted Woman. And I at least have a couple rooms um, left for that retreat. So there's definitely still space there. And then my February retreat, I believe I have three rooms left and anyone and everyone is welcome to that one. So it's just... um, a normal all are welcome retreat (laughs) Um, and it's the seven the seven night experience for Bali but the one in Mexico is five all right well and I know that there are people out there they're listening to this right now and they're yearning to travel someplace tropical and, and beautiful yeah I think you all need to look Rachel up here (laughs) <laughs> I do. Yeah, yeah. I would I love I think that. People need to do this. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> especially yeah. with the Mexico one being 
in between, well, if you celebrate Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's right in between mm -hmm. kind of like the craziest holidays of the year or the busiest holidays of the year. And I've traveled right before Christmas before, and I just have felt like it's so therapeutic to just like get your Christmas stuff or whatever stuff ready early and then just get out and focus on yourself and slow things down and turn your attention inward. It's it's really been therapeutic for me to exit the hustle and bustle of the holidays and then just come home and right before the holiday celebrate family. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Yeah, that's wonderful. And well, all right, listeners. So this is Bali, seven nights in Bali, five nights in Mexico. Yeah, get a hold of Rachel for more <laughs> information because the retreats are going to keep coming. I can feel that. No question. Yes. All right. So Rachel, I've learned a great deal and I know that people have learned a great deal and there are a lot of things that uh, that we've talked about here today. What would be your your closing message for people listening to this show? What, what would you like to leave them with? Hmm. I am someone, and I know not everyone is like this, but I think a lot of people are like this that could spend all day, every day in my head. And so like, you know, movement always brings me, brings me back to groundedness, to center, but really I think finding ways to come back to your body or to come into your body for the first time, whether it is through something like yoga or just like a nature walk or a quick five minute sit in silence at your house or in your bed before you start your day. I, I really just feel like finding ways, especially now where the external noise, the um, news media, all the craziness going on in the world is so loud and the advice giving is really loud and the speed just keeps getting faster and faster and faster. And I feel like the most therapeutic thing that we could all be doing right now is tuning things out to come back to our own voice and slowing down to come back to our own body and turning inward to really listen from the internal space of inner knowing and truth. And, and so I think that looks different for everyone. So I don't know how helpful that is, but I just really feel like everything is so loud and so chaotic and so messy. And it's the perfect invitation to come back to ourselves more than anything else. Yeah, I think that is. And I think as adults, as, as we all know, um, we're all super stubborn, which means we need to hear things multiple times from multiple different people. So yeah. I, I think it's a message that everyone needs, quite, quite honestly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for taking the opportunity to join me here today. This has been a real pleasure. It's been really, really wonderful having you as a guest on the show today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And I, I really have enjoyed our conversation so much. So thank you. You're most welcome. And guys, don't forget here to pick up the ebook, I Am Worthy. It's available right now on Amazon. And there's no reason to hold out even to the beginning of September when you could download this right away. But the hardcover or paperback edition, the actual physical book, 
<laughs> uh, is coming out the first week of September, but you can grab that ebook right now. All right, guys. So this has been Decide to Transform with Rachel Matz. Thank you all for joining us here today. <laughs>